This episode is brought to you by Odd Mo's Pizza in Canby. Handmade awesome pizza plus craft beer, wine, and cider delivered. Order today at 503-263-8444 or visit them online at oddmoes.com. This episode is also brought to you by Canby Foursquare Church. Since 1978, a place to grow, connect, and serve. Sunday services on campus and online at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Learn more at canbyfoursquare.com. Welcome to Now Hear This Canby, your source for news. The threat of a possible teacher strike was avoided this week. There's a new irresistibly cute creature winning over fans, and its name is Scootaloo. Sports? It's like Lucy in the football. You want to kick a field goal, but they take it away from you. We had to learn how to win. Goal can't be in the last second of the game! And interesting conversations. Because I'm one of the strongest girls ever, and I know that for a fact. (laughs) I just really enjoy writing gossip as if I was a bear. (laughs) With an old maid daughter that makes the best moonshine in the coast. (laughs) If it would have hit me in the face, I think I would have died. I really do. I guarantee you would have died, man. Are you kidding me? Welcome to Now Hear This Canby Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Tyler Clawson, and this is what's happening this week in our community. Canby High School's leadership teacher, J.D. Bellum, has been named Advisor of the Year by the Oregon Association of Student Councils. Bellum said he was both shocked and humbled when his name was called for the award. I have such a great group of leadership students, and they all do such great work, he said. For them to give me even a little credit for their work means the world to me. They are the ones who make this job so rewarding and so enjoyable. Bellum's students nominated him for the award, describing his kindness, acceptance, and encouragement in application with multiple letters of recommendation. In his letter, Senior Pete Sanson detailed how Bellum revitalized the leadership program after isolation brought on by the pandemic left students with deflated enthusiasm and engagement. I focus on last year because his prodigious impact in the context of emerging from the pandemic is a testament to his outstanding ability to lead, Sanson said, or rather to empower others to lead themselves. Sanson described Bellum as someone who regularly attends after-school events and has a knack for making students feel heard. He said Bellum encourages conversation and allows students to develop their voices and create their own initiatives. Junior Gracie Chaffee, another of the students whom nominated Bellum, hailed him as such an accepting, welcoming teacher. His room is a safe space for students of all kind, and he encourages everyone to be a leader, Chaffee said. He motivates his leadership classes to do their very best, and he wants to bring our ideas to life. If it weren't for Bellum, I would not be the leader that I am. I appreciate his humility and down-to-earth teaching style. He truly gets along with everyone and is such a fantastic teacher, leader, and role model. Principal Carrie Salone also wrote a letter to recommend Bellum for the award, highlighting the integral role he played in bringing the unified sports program to CHS.
And just like that, one of Canby's biggest annual holiday festivals is just around the corner, the Canby Independence Day celebration on 4th of July. Though the holiday falls on a Tuesday this year, Canby Economic Development and Tourism Coordinator Tyler Neiser says the depth and breadth of activities and fun are as deep as ever, perhaps deeper. We've got a lot of the same activities coming back and we're excited to have the pancake breakfast back at the Canby Historical Society. We've got a lot of the same activities coming back and we're excited to have the pancake breakfast back by the Canby Historical Society. They weren't able to do it last year, so this is the first time since before the pandemic that they'll be rejoining us. That's a huge part of this event. Also on the slate is a car show, street fair, a parade that begins at 10 a.m. and a host of activities located in and around Waite Park downtown. Canby Fire will again be on Grant Street with its challenge course. Children's activities will be plentiful in the park and the annual beer garden will be located on 2nd Street between Grant and Holly Streets. The parade will organize around the Eccles Night area and go down Elm along 2nd, down Grant and along 1st, then up Holly, Nizier said. It's kind of the same pattern we've been doing for a while. New this year will be a bull riding bounce house that both children and adults can jump jump onto. On the gazebo stage will be Camby's favorite return flight, while the June Bugs and Big Bad Beats will be playing in the beer garden. Coming out of the pandemic, people were anxious to get out and do things as witnessed by attendance at the area events that were often record breakers. Nizier estimated the crowd last year about 12,000 and expects another good turnout this year. I think it's super important for people to come out and come together downtown, he said. That brings a lot of activity and support for those local businesses downtown. I've heard that for a lot of businesses, this is the biggest day of the year. It's nice to see that kind of support from record attendance for our local businesses. Events and activities will run until about 3 p.m while the beer garden is open until 4 p.m. That gives everyone enough time to go home, regroup, and head out to enjoy the fireworks at Trost Elementary, said Nizier. Nizier said that in his role, planning the Canby Independence Day celebration offers plenty of rewards, noting that the teamwork of the city's parks and public work crews, as well as stable of 20-plus volunteers, make it come off each year. I love planning it, he said. We have such a great team at the city. We're excited to have the Canby Independence Day celebration back again. It was a pleasure to have it come back after the pandemic. We had an amazing return and look forward to it propelling us into this year. For more information or to register for the parade, check the city's website at canbyoregon.gov slash events slash page slash canby dash independence dash day dash celebration or on facebook at canby independence day
Canby's third graders ventured out of the classroom and got their hands dirty during a field trip to Oregon State University's North Willamette Research and Extension Center near Aurora. We are so grateful for our partnership with the OSU North Willamette Research and Extension Center, and it's located in our backyard, said Danielle Reynolds, Canby School District's Director of Teaching and Learning, who helped organize the district-wide field trip. It was such a wonderful day of outdoor, hands-on learning, allowing students to make real-life connections to the curriculum that they are learning about in the classrooms. Located minutes up the road from Canby, NWREC is OSU's only agricultural field research station located in the northwest part of the state, according to the website. Staff at the center serve farmers through research and education on the region's crop systems, nurseries and greenhouses, fresh vegetables and specialty seed crops, berries and small fruit, Christmas trees, orchard crops, field crops and small farms. The field trip day was filled with experiential learning related to the theme, pollinators. Students rotated through 10 stations, including the water station, 4-H program, tractors, and insect stages. They planted basil and marigold to take home, as well as engineered a pipe system for watering. They even visited with OSU's mascot, Benny the Beaver. Third grade teacher Whitney Bonner said her students couldn't stop raving about how much fun they were having. One student who usually skips field trips was happy he didn't skip that day, Bonner said. He told me all about it on the walk from learning about Christmas trees to going and gathering his frozen blueberries. She noted that even the adults were thrilled with how much they were learning. We were definitely stumped about what agrivoltaics was until we got to the station, Bonner said. Knight third grade teacher Amelia Dedlow called the trip a fun interactive educational opportunity. The students had a great time seeing their learning in a real world application, Dedlow said. They loved sitting on the tractors, looking at and identifying different insects and enjoying a sweet treat at the end of the day. For those interested in visiting for themselves, the center located at 15210 North Millie Road in Aurora will hold a community open house from 4 to 7 p.m. on July 19th. The public is invited for an up-close look at research and development including berry tasting, hayride farm tours, and farm equipment displays, and fresh farm veggies. Oregon Heritage, a division of the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, recently announced that a Canby organization would be receiving one of its annual heritage grants. The Canby Historical Society was one of 12 organizations selected to receive a museum grant with the $3,705 earmarked for two projects. The first involves upgrading the storage of its oral tradition collection, which is currently kept on DVDs, CDs, cassettes, and VHS tapes. 
The plan is to digitize the analog recordings and move those and the digital items from short-term to long-term storage. Additionally, the grant will be used to purchase equipment so the oral histories can be accessed on site. 23 of the 43 histories have been transcribed. The grant funds will allow the CHS to contract for transcription of the remainder. This will make our collection of oral histories more accessible and hopefully attract visitors who want to learn more about Canby's history, said Nora Clark, president of the Canby Historical Society. Carol Palmer, a CHS member and author of the grant application, noted, These oral histories are an invaluable link to our community's past and include recordings of Elsie Cutsforth, Doc Harms, Laura Thompson, Vesta Mark, Leona Sandsness, and many more. The second project is an upgrade to the storage of the photograph collection. Copies are captioned and organized by topic in three-inch binders that are available for review in the front section of the Depot Museum. This is an often used part of the collection that shows the wear and tear of two decades of use. In some cases, the binders are overfilled, making review of the contents difficult. Clark noted how important the grant funds are to the Canby Historical Society mission. The pandemic severely curtailed the income for our usual fundraising events, so grant funds are incredibly important in terms of allowing us to make needed operational improvements, Clark said. We are thrilled that Oregon Heritage is supporting our work. The Oregon Heritage Commission was awarded $77,582 in grants to 12 museums throughout the state as part of the Oregon Museum Grant Program. The grants will help fund a variety of projects, including collection pre preservation, interpretation, and heritage tourism. A public oral auction for the county sheriff's sale of Clackamas County surplus property is scheduled for Wednesday, June 21st at the Sheriff's Office Auditorium at 9101 Southeast Sunnybrook Boulevard in Clackamas. Doors for the in-person event will open at 9.15 a.m. and the auction will begin at 10 a.m. The auction would be conducted orally and no sealed bids will be accepted. All properties are sold as is. Auction registration is limited to 100 participants on a first-come, first-served basis. Interested people may register by sending an email to realpropertysurplus at clackamas.us by 5 p.m. June 19th. A list of the available properties and details about the auction are available online. For more information, contact County Property Agent Specialist Deanne Rome at 503-742-4384 or real property surplus at clackamas.us. The properties for sale have come into the county's possession through tax foreclosures. The property disposition division manages, administers, and distributes property transfers or distribution to provide social, economic, and environmental benefits for the people of Clackamas County. The list of surplus properties is distributed to other county departments, agencies, local governments, and special districts, as well as the public.
Hey, Frankie, how's that new internet deal you just signed up for working out? Uh, not great, actually. Oh, sorry to hear that. How so? Well, my bill ended up being way more than I thought it would. I actually have this statement here. Uh, apparently, I had to pay more for high data usage. Oh, yeah. Some providers will get you for that. Sometimes they have data caps, and they can slow down your speeds and charge you extra for going over. So I'm being punished for using my connection? That doesn't seem right. <laughs> I'm with you there. What else does your bill say? A lot. I had to pay extra for faster upload speeds to get Wi-Fi equipment, and there's also this infrastructure fee? I looked that up and it turns out it's a fee so they can build out their network, mostly in other cities and states. I hate to say it, Frankie, but it sounds like you might have only taken into account the flashy sale price and not all the fine print charges. <sighs> you may be right. You should switch your internet to DirectLink, Cambie's local cooperative provider. They don't have any hidden fees and don't nickel and dime you for using your connection. Plus, Wi-Fi is included in your internet subscription. That sounds great. I could really use a new router and these data overage fees are gonna add up really fast. It couldn't be easier. Just give them a call and ask about Omni. It's their all-in-one internet service that includes Wi-Fi, enhanced security, great parental controls, and easy-to-use network management apps. And there's really no hidden fees? They won't charge me for streaming and gaming a lot? Nope. You get fast download and upload speeds, unlimited data use, reliable and secure Wi-Fi, and local service included with any DirectLink fiber connection. Give them a call today at 503-266-8111 or visit www.directlink.coop. Hey, our guest on the Canby Conversation today is Justin Knoll. He is a, an experienced filmmaker and the owner and operator of JN Films, LLC. Hey, Justin, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Awesome. Uh, you In just a couple of weeks here, you have a, a premiere uh, for your latest film coming up, uh, starting in Canby and a few other communities as well, um, which we're really excited to talk with you about. But why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, your experience and passion for filmmaking that goes back um, a number of years uh, since before 2010, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, right around 2010 was when it kind of all began. I was in a computers class doing animation out of... Uh, on the Mac computers, pencil software. I, I developed the Avatar sequels before James Cameron did. I, I have evidence for that. <laughs> Although it resembles nothing, and I, I repeat nothing, like actually how this, any, anywhere with the trajectory that the actual, you know, full $300 million productions, you know, it, yeah. Uh, well, so they're a little bit different. I mean, just to be fair though, I, like, I, you know, started my family and raised a, a 10 year old in the time it took them to uh, <laughs> to make uh, the that, second Avatar movie. So. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. There's a lot of things that happened during that time. Uh, so then from there, after having that time in animation, which is really interesting, starting off in animation um, and so you were doing really CGI, you're doing computer animation, not not nothing hand drawn. Sort of like hand drawn, like kind of hand drawn digitally in a okay. sense. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it wasn't 
anything like in Blender or. Uh, well, I imagine your 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 passion for film must go back even uh, before that. Then, uh, obviously, did you grow up kind of wanting to do this or uh, just loving movies or? I think so. It was just kind of that opportunity that mm. that just that initial experimentation, literally in a computer lab. So, literally in the lab, this experiment happened uh, that created this filmmaking interest. Um, it, it was the a grand artistic science experiment. <laughs> So yeah. yeah. And and after I had that time of just experimenting, then I had a summer just out at, at home out in the country and like and just trying different ideas mm. and you know out there and trying to have trial and error and all these different experiences to develop some sort of skill. And I did that over time. Um and then by the end of my freshman year of high school so i i started in seventh grade um uh, i think yeah that would have been 2010 um and by then my freshman year i had my first legitimate planned bona, bona fide production that where was, did you go to school uh dallas high school okay. so i started off at Lockerell middle school then went to dallas high school uh okay. so i was uh i think it's a dallas i uh, not a dallas city in dallas i yeah. um yeah, and that kind of really got got things going. Uh, it was interesting being a freshman, um, asking seniors and juniors to be in a your first production, especially when they're quite all quite accomplished act, you know, actors um, at yeah. that time. And basically, from there, there's a lot of different routes and a lot of different people I've gotten to work with over the years uh, I've gotten to uh make movies in different states uh primarily it's Oregon I've I have the uh I have the the token I made a film in Santa Rosa California that's uh, I got to do um a film down there yeah uh, back in 2016 and uh and so all that's algamated, uh, over summarizing, uh, having this Remington's my 70th film. So, mm -hmm. and I think it's six or seventh feature, uh, over the past 10 plus years. Yeah. And then I've gotten to work with over, I think like about 130 people, um, over, over those films. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a great, rewarding uh, experience just, just because it's really encouraged other people to pursue their passions. It, it has opened up uh, other people's eyes to different things that they want to do and give them opportunities that they want to have. And then being able to kind of have a good time and do something mm. that's completely different from their normal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Fascinating. Well, I, um, you know, obviously wanted to give you a chance to to introduce yourself to our listeners, but um, really there was another reason for kind of uh, having you discuss your career and, and talk about um, the, the beginning of it and the, the breadth of it, because this film that is going to uh, have a premiere in, in Canby on June 14th is uh, called Remington, as you mentioned. And has a really interesting concept, including that it was filmed over the span of a decade. Is that right? Yes. So, yeah, yeah the first footage utilized in that film is uh, from 2013. Okay. And then it kind of builds on it from there. And and with all the footage from 
2013 to 2021 or so, um, all those came from different productions, but they were they, basically this is recreated with a different intent and different storylines and and everything's done from scratch. You know, I'm not just plugging in a project file uh, yeah. from a past production, but everything uh, from the audio mixing, from the, the specific timings and cuts, drastically different than what I've previously done. And pulling different segments in, uh, of scenes and reframing them in a different context and relighting them and mm. uh, having a completely different presentation and, and you know, uh, different themes uh, and how different characters relate and their trajectories over time and and it's all kind of recreation like it basically it's technically like uh you know legos out out to to picture it is basically having a lego set like a you know star wars lego set you build as a star you built the initial one there and you follow the uh the initial script that lego provides yeah and then over time you completely disassemble that and you don't have a script you have an idea and you utilize those same Legos uh, to assemble something that's, you know, completely new. And then you add additional pieces on top of that to create this unique creation. And that's what Remington really the process is. And um, it's really something that's uh, thriving on it on mm-hmm. its own uh, beat and has its own life. And um and then pretty much the process was going, assembling all that footage from 2013 to 2021 uh, and creating a co- cohesive first and second act to the story. Then I wrote a completely new third act and worked again with the same uh, actors and actresses as before yeah. in the main storyline. So you get to see them, you know, change over time and and get to see them you know, high school age or just outside of high school to being adults with kids and mm-hmm. or being married. And um, and it's just a really intriguing experience of, of doing that over uh, over that time and and being able to loop in different technology uh, to really in, enhance and make it cohesive, uh, working with a, uh, a developer uh, called Pixop to do AI restoration. So it's not just upscaling, but actually enhancing, mm. bringing it close to a modern day quality from different cameras over mm-hmm. the years. Mm-hmm. And then doing the same with audio, just to kind of really, you know, uh, have this really nice, clean, uh, cohesive uh, design over over the 79 minutes that the film takes place. Hmm. um yeah so it it is uh i would say quite the behemoth of a project (laughs) yeah yeah sounds like it's fascinating so um this wasn't the initial concept when you said out in 2013 that we're gonna do uh, a a a film that spans this uh, amount of time using the same actors this is more something that more recently you kind of look back and uh, did you sort of see story threads um yes. and some of that old footage that you thought could be kind of woven together in in different ways than how you had initially used it 
Exactly. So I, to the first part of that, I would say sort of. So since I think 2014, 2015, I've been wanting to tell a long form story that kind of shows different owners of a teddy bear. And I've tried different writing, like script treatments in different forms, whether it's a micro short to something that's more, you know, longer form and nothing stuck. Uh, yeah. But having some of those themes then carry over into different scripts over time yeah. and having different, uh, uh, different commonalities and uh, thematic threads that over, over the different films. And, uh, and then it kind of just started to click in the winter. Like, what if, you know, kind of ask the, the what if question and start spending a lot of time just um, honestly, basically writing a script based off the footage uh, that that's there diving into hundreds of hours of footage and it basically creating a script based off of that how um wh what to use what not to use um what what's relevant uh what adds to the story and um you know there could have been easily more characters and uh, yeah and, and and uh you know different uh, expansions of storylines yeah uh but it very much naturally found a way into the storylines that are there um mm. uh with the film and um and it just created this really fascinating creative experience where you kind of go through all the same stages where you do have to write it um yeah. and assemble this uh this unique type of script to create the the overall story and the overall presentation. It, it's yeah. not just, you know, uh, going into the archives and just saying, here we go. Here's, you know, here's this, here's that. Right. Okay. We got, we got the first two thirds of the movie done. And yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And it sounded like you very much, kind of had a, a vision for keeping the the story tight and small um and focused um man i cannot uh, imagine the uh challenges uh, that you created for yourself yeah this project right where uh i mean the superpower that that normally almost any filmmaker has uh to do a reshoot um you kind of uh don't have that right if you're for for at least the parts where you're using the older footage because it's like yeah. these guys don't look like that anymore or they're they're just maybe this even the settings that we filmed in don't exist anymore so um you're really more handcuffed in and telling those parts of the story yeah and uh just quickly noting like you know places not existing anymore or looking drastically different it, that is something that's very one of the cool things about it is basically you get to see history you know over a decade of of how different locations and different people evolve um but with the yeah, there isn't an uh, a ability to reshoot. You have to kind of work with what's there, and you just gotta hope and pray that you have, you know, a, a enough options there to find something that uh, takes that are more closely to the to the character that you want to portray over the course of the entire project, not just the the project that it's being pulled from. So. I would say, for example, there's uh, a really 
substantial section in the film uh, with the character uh, his whose name is Newton um, utilizing different takes than what was actually used in the you know or, you know original film uh, that has a different uh, you know different uh, methodology uh, different pacing different emotions um, that kind of more aligned to this larger form of the character and that that was an interesting kind of just looking at that and that overall just reframing and repurposing um you know it, it basically you just have to you have to make the most of what what you got and um and then the then the cool thing is with having all of that already there it's honestly so much easier just to cut you know cut things like if you're not you know, if I'm not totally in love with a scene and it isn't a hundred percent dependent on the story, I can just get rid of it. So something that this project could have probably been at uh at its most maximum two and a half hours, uh, just because there's that much content that could have been there. But yeah. in terms of what the you know, uh being efficient with the character development and all the different story beats it really you know really found its groove at like the uh, just a little bit under an hour and a half yeah yeah tyler did you know that the australian lyrebird can mimic any sound that it hears even chainsaws? No, that's uh, super interesting. Did you know that a baby puffin is called a puffling? Uh, or no. that baby sea otters can't swim? So their moms wrap them up in pieces of kelp until they learn how to paddle. Wait, do you know any trivia that isn't like animal related? Not really, but here's some stuff you may not know about the Wild Hair Saloon, where Camby goes to eat and have fun. Okay. The Wild Hair is one of Camby's longest running locally owned restaurants. Owners Joan and Darren Moden have been in business for 16 years. That's cool. Yeah, heck, you were just a baby back then. I, and, wait, what? And they love to give back. They've been members of the Camby Chamber for that long, and they donate over $20,000 to local sports, FFA programs, and civic organizations each year. Wow, I'm legitimately like caught off. That's cool. Yeah. They also support more than 30 jobs in the community through their award-winning staff, some of them as young as 18. Hey, that's older than you are. Uh, dude, I'm I'm 10 months younger than you. With, with the days getting longer and the weather getting warmer, the Canby Wild Hair's expansive outdoor patio is the place to be. Furry friends, welcome. Well, that sounds great. I'm going to go check them out just off of Highway 99E next to the Space Age in Canby at 1656 Beaver Creek Road in Oregon City or on their website at thewildhairsaloon.net. Well, it sounds really cool. I wonder, um, you you mentioned kind of seeing, um, seeing that the history aspect um evolve over the years uh what was it like you think for um the actors that were involved in this to be able to um you know look back and see themselves as they were 10 years ago and i'm sure they've kind of evolved as people and, and even as actors in their their craft um to see oh my gosh like did you know they're even cringing a little bit or <laughs> yeah uh 
So they've gotten to see, most of them have gotten to see snippets of it. Um, so because of just wanting that full, fully embodied experience for them at the, at, at what, whichever screen that they're able to make. Uh, yeah, it is really fascinating uh, and kind of just, uh, you know, potentially like cathartic in a, in a sense of saying, hey, this, this represented a time in my life and how this character related to that time of my life and I was able to access it at that point. Now this is the time of life that I'm in mm. and yeah. this is what I'm accessing. And um, and some of them, it's easy to step back in uh, depending on how uh, relative the character is, uh, whether personally or just uh, sequentially from filming or it's like, okay, I need to ride the bike again. You know, how, how do I do this? Um, and, and I think part of it is just having that previous experience, those previously previous working relationships yeah. um, on those productions. Uh, they're just, there isn't a need to like review over expectations or, or what, what the process is like. It kind of just almost everything kind of fit back into uh, a groove like a you know like a glove and uh and really just worked naturally and um and that was kind of surreal with a uh, with a few few of those newer shoots um just because uh they're uh you know they uh the actor actors might be you know like uh i'm not sure how i feel about it it's like this yeah is, this and like trust me this is what you're portraying now is a part yeah. of the trajectory and you're doing a good job. You yeah. Know? And um, it isn't necessarily uh, with the writing, like uh, extreme performance acting hmm. or anything like that. It's kind of either uh, bring finality, uh, bring resolution or one last kind of de uh, character development um, to these different characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so without uh, the spoilers, obviously, can you tell us just a little bit about what the movie's about or kind of the the, the story that you um, told through this saga? <laughs> yeah. So there's a few different characters. There's uh, there's a character named Newton who basically his his trajectory is, is about um about it uh you know socialization and attachment and um and kind of the the uh, effect people being in and out of his life have had um and yeah. basically having to his trajectory is basically trying to figure out how to feel about all that how to find peace with that hmm. um then there's uh kind of an interesting parallel one uh Celeste and Nia, um, they both have different starting points. Um, uh, actually, in, in different ways, uh, they both kind of have um, at different time frames, one in 2015, one in 2019, you know, are, uh, you know, in positions where they kind of have to leave the past behind and they're moving on to a new journey and those journeys, uh, you know, both, uh, both um, women, uh, they have miscarriages, um, hmm. and one's 
uh, one's a little bit uh, more direct and one's a little bit more integrated into kind of the, the uh, life aspect of the character. And they both kind of are going, are navigating that in different ways. And then ultimately, you know, there, there, there is some connection at a certain point. That's where I'll kind of draw the line in terms of spoiler territory. Um, uh, and okay, then, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, then there's another character, um, kind of, she's really in the middle of the film, um, kind of to represent kind of a, uh, a, uh, there, there's similarities, but it's more about kind of processing change and, and process, uh, and processing, um, uh, just being able to figure out life and, um, and having her, uh, be kind of this, this bridge in the middle of the film towards basically you get to see the first half of, uh, three characters and where they're at, then, Harper's uh then you have Harper's story um and then you have the second half of really then the the um extended examination um closer to the present day and then finality around that um but in overall overall sense it's really about uh four different people at different points, owning uh, uh, owning a teddy bear, uh, dealing with different stuff that life throws at them, and them having basically the the teddy the teddy bear uh, Reming, uh, Remington, uh, or the bear's name Remy, um, kind of really helping them just kind of start to get the next step going of of figuring figuring things out. Um, whether it's you know helping think think aloud or having a sense of attachment to something or being able to have to re reflect and deal with the past or or some other you know thing that really helps get the get the gears going for these characters yeah yeah was it did you and is this something you kind of do it in your other films as well but kind of draw on personal experiences or um yeah i i do definitely uh relate to a lot of the films <laughs> to say uh to say the least yeah and and some of it is intentional some of it is not not intentional and i end up realizing after the fact like okay this is representing of this mm. part of my life or part of my personality yeah. and uh and I'm, you know, I found a groove where it's okay to, uh, to really share and express those feelings and experiences in the film medium that really, that really, you know, pretty close to home, um, is over time, we really had to find, find kind of like a, w where the boundary is. And I think for me, just the simplest way of explaining it is basically semi-autobiographical versus autobiographical. So yeah not directly re-representing you know certain experiences yeah. certain things that have happened but having things that are related to and can speak earnestly and write earnestly about uh 
but at the same time really giving those characters their own life um and that it's really their own it's not just an extension of me it's their this it i uh an example that i got uh was explained to me at one point um in terms of when i was learning writing and filmmaking is each of these characters have their own worlds uh it's kind of like their own planet and you know you develop those and um they might look a lot like your planet um uh yeah you know, they might also have trees on it they must all have water on it but they have their own ecosystem and and how how you know rotation and um and all of that and if you then have it too close to orbit then you know it gets kind of lost in the shuffle and then you're like okay i i this is way too close for comfort yeah yeah absolutely well i think the the last obvious question justin is uh now that you've uh finished this film and, and brought this uh concept to fruition um is it something you think you could go forward and even do a sequel or do, do it again uh have a remington 2 in the next 10 years or something like that um i don't do you think know. You, you'd do it again i don't know i'm not i don't have the I don't have the same vitality that Richard Lankletter has with either the before trilogy <laughs> or boyhood yeah. or now uh, barely we, we go along where he's doing that over 20 years. I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say necessarily, I'd, it's not a matter of patience. It's more a matter of like, you know, just wanting to experience things uh, in a closer fashion. Um, yeah you know what you know i'm not gonna say no uh but also i'm not gonna actively pursue it uh yeah just because i think there's i have a i really don't like to tell the same story more than once yeah. there's times where in a sense in that, that i've done that but um but really at where i'm at creatively i want to pursue new stories and new experiences um and new things that test where i'm at so i think this was a really great uh way of getting uncomfortable um as an artist around doing something long form uh in a linear time-based manner um diving into new technology uh, technology to influence the production uh and it ultimately, in the end, it'll be kind of just we'll we'll see. Uh, yeah. With it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm at this point. I'm at almost kind of a liberated point since this kind of almost puts a bow on the the nature of the films that I've made over the last seventy films. And then it's like, okay, I can basically go whatever route I want to go now. I'm not attached to a specific production i do have some scripts that are you know can yeah. be made now but i can i've probably been the most free in a long time in terms of what i want to make that that make next and i think i'm going to take that opportunity and um and figure out something new mm -hmm. and something uh different something that i'm gonna to have to learn something with yeah yeah 
Absolutely. Well, Justin, it has been so great to talk to you today. Thanks for taking time out to discuss your career in this uh, wonderful film. So it is going to debut in Canby at uh, 7 p.m. June 14th at the Canby Theater uh, with proceeds supporting the Canby uh, Library Foundation and their short uh, their efforts to bring back the Canby Short Film Festival, which we haven't uh, seen since COVID, uh, obviously, but uh, they are looking to uh, bring it back in some fashion uh, this year. Is that right, Justin? Or maybe next year, as far as you know? I know you're not directly involved with the organizing of that, but... Yeah, so they're going to be ideally spring 2024 they don't have a set plan right now there's a bunch of different ideas going around and i know one of the things that they really would like to do is to really engage with canby high school and and students there and get them an opportunity to dive into making a short film um and then the uh remington screening is actually going to be at the uh library um and can be so oh, excuse me no yeah it's all good it's just the, right, right close by yeah, i looked right at the map I, I figured it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't look closely enough at the map but yes i see that uh, so it'll be at the library perfect okay yeah. cool yeah um the short film festival uh we'll just say real quickly is a really special event i know you, you have been involved in that in the past as well um with some of your projects yeah it's one of, I, I would say probably my favorite film festival experience and i've yeah. been to some up in portland and i had a great experience with those but can be just i think i have stayed connected with the most amount of filmmakers from mm-hmm. that festival than it, compared to any other festival i've been to um and then just the welcoming of whatever the heck i've made uh, yeah uh or uh or co-made at that time whether yeah. it's uh a what a short film called blank or uh two sisters making a uh a, a movie about a trash can and bring and my I, my friend and i bring in a little giant trash can with google eyes to the uh to the 2018 festival or then um or then going on a uh in 2019 going on a date with my now wife uh to that festival for I think Alarm was the film. Uh so there's all these different unique special experiences and um and because of all that I really wanted to reconnect with the uh library foundation and everyone everyone there because of just how uh how grateful I I have been for those opportunities um and how each one has meant something specific to my life. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Very cool. Um, JJNfilms.org uh, for uh, more information about uh, everything that you're up to, Justin. Um, there's also, uh, if you click on Remington, there's information about the Canby screening as well as the upcoming ones in Albany and Salem. And um, the links there to RSVP. Anything that you'd like to add, Justin, before you go? Um, I would just like to say thank you for you know offering your time and and offering the opportunity to talk about this project and talking about the process and uh, being able to highlight this screening and um, and then subsequently all the screenings that are going to be uh, they're all free admission um, with you know each one has donations encouraged to a nonprofit beneficiary at each one yeah uh, the Canby one the Canby Public Library Foundation the Salem one 
is NAMI, Oregon. Um, and then the only one is the uh, Historic Carousel Museum. So it's all unique venues, unique experiences, and I'm really looking forward to it. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Justin, yeah, thank you for uh, your your art. Thank you for um, sharing it with the Canby community and for your support of our local uh, library foundation. Hey, I'm AJ. I'm your uh, local Oddmos franchise owner. I'm Mike, co-founder of Oddmos. And we're the hosts of The Odd Pod, a podcast about life in the pizza industry. We're going to have on some franchisees. We're going to have some different vendors on. We're going to get a snapshot of what goes on behind the scenes in the, the pizza world. Don't forget to tell them about the sports. They're sports. And the crazy wacky pizza that we have every Wednesday that we create. And we also have a special guest every week as well. And I'm Gage, Odd Pod senior sports analyst. Gage, who gave you that title? Me. Oh boy. Find us on Spotify and Apple Music and the Podbean. Now Hear This Can Be is produced by me, Tyler Clausen. Our content director and star reporter is Tyler Frankie. And of course, our show is edited by Cameron Clausen. We also feature the vocal talents of Joy Struby and James Walden. So a round of applause to them. The song that you're hearing right now is Can Be by singer-songwriter Olivia Harms, used with her permission. To find more work from her, you can visit her website, olivia13.com. Now Hear This Can Be is dedicated to preserving independent local journalism and redefining local news with our fun, fresh, and energetic brand of storytelling. Our sincere thanks to our local sponsors who make this show possible. Please show your appreciation by supporting the small businesses who support us. The production of Now Hear This Studios, Canby's locally owned, full-service audio, video, and media production company. Our mission is to produce the best content in the universe. And we'd love to help you do it. Find us online at nhtstudios.com. Um, I will take a motion to adjourn. I just moved it. I didn't even ask for it, though.